In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've reached the third uh, and fourth component of the of the characteristics of the kingdom of God and the things that the kingdom of God has power over. And as I said last week, um, this is still a continuation of what the kingdom of God is, of the parables of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not to be put under a bushel but on lampstand. The kingdom of God um, is like seed that's that's received by good soil that bears great fruit. The, seed, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that starts small and bursts forth. The kingdom of God is like a seed that's planted in the soil and springs up slowly. Um, so all these things about the kingdom of God being being small but intentional and bursting forth into the world. And last week we heard about the the storm that that came up suddenly, and that that the kingdom of God has power over over the storms, over nature, over the chaos in the world. And we didn't we didn't read um, this year. I think it's in in other years the 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 passage about the demoniac. Um, but that was that was right before this passage. So um, the demoniac of the Gerasenes. So um, that Jesus cast out those demons. And so the kingdom of God has power over nature. The kingdom of God has power over over evil, over demons. And so now today we're looking at um, the third and fourth aspect of this, um, beginning with. Uh, a, a leader of the synagogue, Jairus, whose daughter is ill. And um, he comes and he says to, to Jesus, my daughter is to the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so she may be made well. And he went with him. And as Jesus is going, um, a great crowd followed him. And a, there was a woman who had um, a hemorrhage of, of blood for 12 years who'd suffered much under physicians, spent all she had, but she didn't get better, she just got worse. Um, a desperate woman, right? Dealing with a discharge of, of blood um, for 12 years. And in her, in her desperation, in her faith, um, as well, she heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased. Immediately she was healed. And that's so important, I think, to, to look at this woman before we, before we look at the the um, encounter between her and Jesus. But just sort of imagine, right, 12 years of, of being unclean, ritually unclean. For 12 years, she's not able to go to the temple. For 12 years, she's not able to worship. For 12 years, she is an outcast because she's not clean. Um, Where we've been living in this pandemic for for a little more than a year, um, but even before we were able to come back to church, we were able to start to 
come together. So really that time of isolation, that time of, of being separated was, you know, for some, obviously it varies, but, but somewhere between six months and a year, maybe 15 months. Um, that's a long time. That time of isolation, even within a small family unit, has been very difficult on people. Right? It's 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 taken its toll. There have been and there will continue to be numerous sort of studies, I'm sure, about the effects of of those who were forced not to have contact with people, to not uh, receive a hug to not have their hand held, to not be present and to be touched um, during this, this year. It's been 12 years for this woman, 12 years. She spent everything she had and hasn't actually gotten better, just has gotten worse. And as she hears about Jesus, she thinks, even if I touch his garment, I'll be made well. And in fact, that act of touching the fringe of his garment isn't, isn't just, um, like if I touch sort of any part of him, then I'll be made well. It really is. Even even the Messiah, if you touch just the end of his phylacteries, then then he that sort of sort of proves that there's power um, in him that he might be the true Messiah. It's one of the reasons um, the Pharisees, when Jesus Jesus comments to them and says they wear their phylacteries long, they wear their sort of like their stoles, their their prayer shawls long. Um, so that so that people might want to go up and touch them to see maybe they are the Messiah, right? And so um, you want to you don't want you don't want you want to give people a chance. Uh, so touching the fringe of his garment is an act of faith that indeed he might be the Messiah. It's, it's a natural thing to do um, in this situation. Um, it's not random. It's not like touching the back of his head or touching, you know, his shoulder. Touching the fringe of his garment is a declaration of, of faithfulness um, to Jesus as the Messiah. And so she's healed. She's healed. And, and so Jesus, perceiving that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned and said, Who touched my garments? Who touched my garments? And the disciples are like, you've got to be kidding me. There's people everywhere. What do you mean who touched your garments? Probably lots of people have touched your garments. You probably touched lots of people as you passed through, right? But it, but Jesus knows this was an intentional touching. He felt power go. This was an act of faith that he felt. And the woman, knowing what had done to her, came in fear, we talked about fear last week, we fear again in fear and trembling and fell down and told him the whole truth. 
And she came in fear and trembling, partly, um, or maybe primarily, because in, in touching Jesus as someone who is unclean, you are making him unclean. You have the potential of making him unclean. The people might see him as unclean. But instead, um, God has made what is unclean clean, which is a theme that will continue throughout the scriptures, um, especially as we get right to the Gentiles coming to be grafted into the vine of Israel as God's chosen people. Um, those things that were clean, unclean are now clean. Those foods that were unclean are now clean. God has declared his creation clean. God has declared this woman clean. Jesus is declaring this woman clean. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Jesus has power over sickness. Jesus has power over nature. Jesus has power over demons. Jesus has power over sickness. The kingdom of God can defeat the illness of this world. The kingdom of God can defeat the enemy of Satan. The kingdom of God can defeat the storms that affect us. So now Jesus continues on, right? Now we, we sort of pick up where we left off a little bit. As Jesus goes to the house of Jairus and and as he was still speaking, they came and they said, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's died. And Jesus says again, don't fear. Don't fear. Have faith. Don't fear. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John. When they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw people wailing and weeping loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And so we know right here a little bit that these are not um, these are not family members. Um, these are sort of professional mourners who come out to wail and weep and um, beat their breast over over the the poor unfortunate death of this this little girl because so they turn um, completely from weeping to laughing at Jesus and mocking. Um, And he sends them out. He takes the child's father and mother and those who are with him. He takes her by the hand and says, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked. And they're overcome with amazement, with awe. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Right. So in a little parenthesis, it says the girl's 12 years old. 
just no small coincidence or maybe it's just a coincidence but there's not many coincidences this girl has lived as long as the other woman has has had this hemorrhage or this woman has had a hemorrhage for as long as this basically preteen girl has been alive Jesus has power over death kingdom of God has power over death. The kingdom of God has power over nature. The kingdom of God has power over evil. The kingdom of God has power over sickness. The kingdom of God has power over even death. Even death cannot stand in the way of the kingdom of God. And we know this certainly is, is pointing to the resurrection. where life everlasting will spring forth a new life a new creation behold the old has passed away the new has come um, but it's a remarkable passage again don't fear only believe your daughter will be fine Don't fear, only believe. Your daughter will be fine. Um, I don't think I'd ever, I don't think I'd ever have um, the guts to say that to somebody whose who's child was, was terminally ill. Um, You know, it's a it's a it's a risky thing to say. It's a daring thing to say, right? Don't be afraid. What do you mean, don't be afraid? This is my child. You know, you might could say to me, "Don't be afraid. You'll be fine." You know, if I was if I was sick, I'd say, "All right." But my kids, if you say, "Don't be afraid. Your kids will be fine," like, of course I'm afraid. This is my child. I'm completely worried. I'm completely concerned. Um, this is what Jesus invites us into. Resting again in the peace and the promise and the hope. The kingdom of God has power even over death. Even when death occurs, the kingdom of God defeats death the resurrection and so in this short little snippet of a couple chapters mark brings forth what the kingdom of god is the urgency of the kingdom of god repent the kingdom of god is at hand and this is what the kingdom of god is like the kingdom of god it's going to come forth in power in ways that you can't understand. It's going to defeat storms. It's going to heal sickness. It's going to cast out demons. It's going to raise the dead to life. But it's also not going to happen right away. You know, and it's going to happen slowly, methodically, patiently. It's going to happen powerfully. 
And it's going to happen not because of anything that you do, but because of who God is. It's going to happen because you have courage and faith and don't fear and live into the promise of God. It's an amazing um, set of a couple chapters that encourage the early church, especially as they're being persecuted, as the temple's being torn down, to trust that the kingdom of God has power over all things, anything you can think of. And for us, we're not to be afraid, only believe. This is a challenging statement. The one the church needs to hear again and again and again. All aspects of it. Knowing that in Jesus, we have victory over nature. We have victory over sickness. We have victory over demons. We have victory over death. In Jesus, we have peace that cannot be explained. We have life it's abundant and full. We have hope. We have grace. We have promise. In Jesus, things that are unclean are made clean. Lives that are unclean are made clean. People that are unclean are made clean. And perhaps more important than anything, this is the message. There is nothing, there is nothing that the kingdom of God cannot eradicate in you to bring you peace, to make you clean, to heal your wearied soul, and to bring you that light and hope and promise through the glory of God. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the peace that you provide, for the light that you give us, for the healing that you promise Lord, cast out our fear, cast out our doubt, cast out our despair, and fill us with hope and faith and joy. Lord, thank you for cleansing us from our sin. Thank you for cleansing us 
from those areas of our life that we feel unworthy. Healing us and making us whole. Come, Lord Jesus, anoint us by your Spirit that we may live fully into your light, into your kingdom, knowing indeed that we have victory over the things of this world, over the spiritual forces of darkness, over sickness, and even over death. Come, Lord Jesus, anoint us this day by your light and by your love. Amen.